Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. This podcast is dedicated to the aspiring writer or artist and will provide inspiration and tips from top professionals in the field, along with contest winners and a few surprise guests. Today, we have one of the surprise guests. I'm very, very excited to be speaking with Leslie Robin. Hello, Leslie. Hello, John. How are you today? I'm doing great. And for people who don't know, you're a writer at Assorted SF, fantasy, romance, and horror publications, and you work as the editor at Galaxy's Edge and your assistant publisher full-time at Arc Manor and its imprints, Phoenix Pick, which is books, Galaxy's Edge, Science Fiction Magazine, and Heart's Kiss, Romance Magazine. What's that? Isaac Books, too. Okay, which good. Which is the new Okay, good. And we met originally probably three, four years ago when Rob Sawyer brought you to one of our Writers of Feature dinners at Dragon Con at Miss Pity Pats. And we rapidly became great friends and big great friends uh, since. And uh, that was, like I said, through Rob Sawyer. But also, it turns out that you were great friends with Mike Resnick, who brought you on, I guess, as assistant editor of Galaxy's Edge. And that was via a story about Anne McCaffrey. So we have lots of different connections that pull us together and, and make us friends. So this is, this is great. So I'm very happy that we have you now on this podcast. Thank you. So how did you get started originally with science fiction and fantasy? Well, this always gets a bit of a, a, a wow moment and a bit of a, a laugh when I, uh, when I speak about this on panels. You know, back in the day, we used to go to conventions and be on panels in person. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, but basically what happened was I was wanting to buy a signed Anne McCaffrey book. Uh, I, it was actually my first ever signed book too, uh, to purchase. And it was because I grew up reading her, my twin and I, we would get, we were smart, we would get half the books each so we could double our reading pool, you know, together. Right. Of course, it was not so smart when we became adults and separated into different households because then we had half the books each. Right. But at the child, as a child with limited pocket money, it was a very smart way to double our reading pool. But what happened is I'd heard um, around the time that I went to buy the book that she had not been doing well uh, health-wise. You know, she'd had a health hiccup. Right. And so I thought, I just want to have one. I might not ever get to work on and get a book signed by her. I just want to have one special signed book of hers, you know, come what may. Mm-hmm. And so I went on eBay and uh, the listing that I saw, it, it finished just before I put a bid on it. You know, I misjudged the time uh, and waited a little too long. And what happens is it didn't, uh, obviously the listing ended, but he didn't put it back up. The seller didn't put it back up. And so I contacted the seller directly and I said, you know, there actually is someone interested in buying this. And I just miscalculated. I'm new to eBay, you know, uh, but I would love to buy it. Well, the seller was Mike Resnick, of all people, <laughs> you know. Yes. And um, and he was actually selling off a dear friend of his, her estate, for obviously the family. Right. And so that's why he had signed Anne McCaffrey books. And what it meant is because I contacted him directly because the listing wasn't up, it meant that we actually started talking because usually you never have uh, conversations between the seller and the buyers. You just click buttons for to get shipped. Right. 
And so I, when I got the book and I saw it was the rare edition for a very cheap price, uh, I thanked him. I said, thanks for it being the legitimate listing. It kind of seemed too good to be true. And he said, well, I'm an author too and I don't see uh, it as fair as putting extra money on just because the signature's added uh, because, you know, he doesn't see his his name being worth more just to add a signature on. You know, he's just, as a writer, he just signs things, you know. It's, yeah. And I said, well, thank you very much, uh, you know, and I explained why I wanted to buy a book. This is where our friendship started. This is what cemented it because he replied back with, well, I met Anne McCaffrey back in 1963 and um, and so that got the ball rolling on our emails. Then uh, I said to him in an email, uh, I have not read any of your books before, just to let you know um, that, you know, I'm fascinated that you know all of the other writers pretty much that I've grown up reading. Uh, and it, he told me that he hadn't sold books to the Commonwealth for a bit, you know, contract, contract reasons. Right. So that was why. So he said, well, we can't have that. And he started mailing me his books. Now, <laughs> I didn't know what to do about that because I wonderful gift. But, like, how do you thank someone for sending you books, you know, yeah. unasked and And so um, I did the unusual thing. I found out it was unusual later in that I critiqued them. So I would read one and then say, oh, I love how you did this with this and this with this because that means this. And interesting how you did this with that. And I would just get no big response, but more books would land in my mailbox. And I'm like, this is becoming a full-time job. And um, what I found out is he was very like, wow, she's actually critiquing my work. And he eventually said to me that I was spotting things his editors hadn't spotted. And, uh, yeah, and obviously that is a very unusual way to respond to an author, you know, a well-known author is critiquing their work. Of course, innocent (laughs) Australian from Australia that's never met authors did not know this. Right. So where the writing and the collaborating and my career comes out of this is Mike then asked, "You, you obviously have a great grasp of plot characterization, spotting those one-liners that make a story. You know, have you ever wanted to become a writer? And I said, well, of course I have. I don't want to say that to you because it feels like I'm trying to get my foot in the door with you when in reality I'm just so happy to find someone that I can talk science fiction and fantasy books with, you know. I didn't want it to seem like I was angling for anything. And I didn't know at the time that he's known for having lots of writing kids. So when he um, offered, uh, you know, I can help you start, you know, your career, you know, I can at least write a story with you and tell you what you need to learn, you know, if you've got natural instincts. But I think from what you've critiqued in my work that you have the natural instincts there. And he said, and I had thought, oh, he's just more like a normal writer that he I didn't know he had all these writer children that he was established for doing this that this was his thing so I thought it's like a normal author where they must get 
so many people saying to them, how do you get published? You know? Mm-hmm. And I didn't want one of those people that are trying to use an author's, another author to get a door in uh, to a career. Right. And, of course, Mike was not liking my nose. He said I was the most stubborn girl he'd ever met. <laughs> and so what he did is he, he circumvented it by saying, okay, so let's not talk about writing for a moment. How about I point out that there's a world convention where all your favorite authors, you know, the ones still living, are going to be attending, and I can introduce you to all your favorite authors. This is not a big thing. I do it all the time. If you look up, you know, Worldcon, you'll find that it's literally where readers mingle with authors. You can come as a reader. And so I said to that, well, that sounds wonderful, uh, you know, because I knew that, that that's not him doing anything special for me because I did look it up and it would be nice to meet new people and, you know, new readers. Like I wasn't thinking at all of a writing career. I, but, of course, for Mike, it was his backdoor way of getting me back to the writing <laughs> aspect yeah. that he wanted. Yeah, so what he did is he invited me just as a reader to the Worldcon and said, we're friends now, I'll introduce you to your favourite authors. Other strings attached, of course, the strings were there, he just wasn't letting me know because he knew I was stubborn. What what happened was he asked all his author friends and Kay Kenyon, uh, Rob Sawyer, you name it, well-known name, it was them. And he asked them all to bring a signed book of theirs for me. And he also organised an autograph book for me. And so I turn up at Worldcon and, you know, I'm invited to the different dinners. He also uh, invited me to be one of his guests, Eleanor Wood was the other one, to the Hugo ceremony where he was nominated. And basically he was showing me the best part of the writing world, you know, awards, parties, you know, this is what happens when writers socialise, you know, this is the family you could be part of. Right. Of course, he hadn't told me that. He was just saying, come as a reader then. <laughs> so I got avalanched with signed books that were turning up at my hotel, everywhere. There was books that I went home with 40 books that were signed. Wow. And at the very end of the conference, we sat for like, I suppose, like a debris before he was flying out, before I was going on my next leg of my trip. And he said, so this is who you could be on the shelves with all of these people if you become a writer. So he was basically wooing me <laughs> with meeting my favourite authors. It was an utterly charming way he did it. But also there was a second element I want to add here. Lee Modisette was also very instrumental in my career. And it was because Lee Modisette was one of my twin sister's favorite authors. And I, again, thinking this will be the only time I ever meet these people, bought my sister's books along to get signed by Lee Modisette. Now, unbeknownst to me, Lee Modisette has been seeing me at the different parties and things with Mike Resnick and being, ah, new writer, baby, you know, new writer child. And 
so when I came at the end of his signing, I'm like, you know, I'm not sure if I'll ever meet you again, but you're like my sister's favourite author. Would you mind sitting with me and just signing a few books? I understand if you're too busy, you know, but can I at least take a photo for my sister? And he said, how about we go grab coffee and I'll even get some promotional stuff for her. Again, the generosity of authors right. is amazing. Right. And I'm like, whoa, okay, this is great. So we move over and at the time this particular dealer's room had, you know how some of them have like a little coffee booth just outside? Sure. And so we moved to there and he pulled out extra little odds and ends for my sister and we were talking and he said to me, I, I confess to having a little ulterior motive, you know, to doing the coffee as well as signing the books. Um, I was curious what the story is with Mike Resnick. And so I told him, I said, he's trying to uh, get me to write with him, but, of course, I feel like I don't want him to think I was only talking to him to get a career and, you know, I value our friendship too much to mar that. And he said, oh, no, Mike is known for this. He has, he says, look it up on the internet. He has rights of children. He actually has a name dumped for doing this, you know. And he said, you can actually accept this because one thing that I can tell you is Mike has a perfect record, you know, in helping young authors. There's nothing nefarious, you know. It's a genuine, this is something that he does well. Right. And... If he doesn't help you, he'll just help another five authors after you. So you might as well take him up on it. And that actually, him explaining it that way made me didn't feel like he was, he was obviously still going to effort for me, but it was something that he usually did. It wasn't like he was going out of his way for me, which is, of course, why I was resisting. Yeah, Mike, um, was, Mike was amazing so, like that, yeah. Yeah, so the six degrees of separation in my life, you know, that's why I, I decided to agree to Mike's proposal that we try writing a story together to see, because I've never written fiction. I'd read a lot to see if I had the natural chops, so to speak. And, right. of course, apparently I was a natural at it. But to this day, since then, Lee Modisette and I always get together for one meal, usually a dinner, every Worldcon, and he always brings my twin sister uh, signed presents because it's always my birthday usually at Worldcon, which means it's my twin sister's birthday. So he never forgets. Oh, that's nice. And, yeah, so I have to say the friendships I made from that first con have lasted to this day, and that was 2008. Wow. So with respect to now that you've moved on, you've, you've written now, so like, you primarily write in, in regards to science fiction and fantasy. You most, mostly write short fiction. Have you done long fiction? What's your... Yes. Yeah. So, so when I started my career, I started obviously with Mike. Um, right. and And that was, you know, the first couple of stories just to... And he was sort of showing me the ropes and things like that. And then I started writing my solo pieces. I've written up to novella length. I have not done the novel yet. The, the year of the novel is next year. Okay. I did not think with especially everything going on this year that I was going to attempt the year of the novel this year. Correct. I don't think anyone can do anything too grand with 2020, to be yeah. honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So the the idea is to get all settled in my life, you know, everything settled, and then the year of the novel is 2021. I do write mostly genre fiction, so science science fiction, fantasy, a little bit sort of horror events. I have done some romance, and uh, I edit primarily in the science fiction and fantasy field, and now the romance field too. So that's your primary thing. And so Galaxy's Edge is uh, what I'm most familiar with because of the science fiction yes. and fantasy. And I remember when yes. Mike called me originally saying, I just got this you know, opportunity to, um, for Galaxy's Edge. And do you want to do anything with it? Because well, I'm Galaxy Press. And um, it didn't materialize, but our relationship continued to solidify because he had been a judge for Writers of the Future yes. and just absolutely... Uh, found it amazing how the you know the the objective that was set by Elwin Hubbard in 1983 you know to you know provide that means he so was able to think with that and the importance of that and he himself was a was a big fan of Elwin Hubbard's uh, science fiction and fantasy from the Pulp Fiction days and yes, um, big Pulp Fiction fan yes CL yeah and he would he really like, he talked about CL Moore and when he saw the letters between C.L. Moore and L. Ron Hubbard. He was fascinated because C.L. Moore was absolutely enamored with L. Ron Hubbard in the fact that he would help her with her writing career at the, at the outset. And uh, so he was just, he was a total fan of C.L. Moore. And so he loved that. So I have um, a complete signed collection of Mark Resnick's books inscribed and signed. Wow. 100 of them. Wow, that's great. Um, yeah, a beautiful gift from him. Yeah. I would get them. It took a couple of years to get them. But added to it, I, he gave me C.L. Moore's books and the inscription in there said that I could be better than her one day, which from her, from him was the biggest compliment because I knew how much he loved her. Yeah, that's... And it's just... I mean, there's something... It just... the I suppose Mike's love for the field was just so infectious. But what you do with writers of the future and also obviously illustrators of the future, just just sort of in a way partners so well with Galaxy's Edge because both short fiction on the fiction side yep. and because of Mike Resnick's original goal, which is showcasing new authors, that's exactly what both presses do. So, yeah, it's a good... It, you know, you have the bigger names in the judges. We also have the bigger names, like in our reprints. So right. either way, the new authors get to mingle with the greats in the field in both our publications and get a taste of what their career can be if they keep at it. And I think that's a wonderful thing that was created, you know, that's especially in, uh, built upon in the partnership between Writers of the Future and Mike Resnick as well. Exactly. So with respect to Galaxy's Edge now, on what do you look for? Because there's obviously things are changing. You know, the mm -hmm. world is changing. So how is that yes. affecting Galaxy's Edge? What you look for, the type of uh, fiction? Are you looking for stuff that's more optimistic or are you just kind of like, let's be realistic? So and like between Mike and I, but not, not actually in how you think. Uh, Mike, Rosnick and I as writers could like we really can key into the bittersweet channel of stories. Right. Mike Resnick as a reader preferred humour, light, 
and he would write life as his joy form of writing too. Right. But he would point out and go, oh, this story will win an award if it was the other kind. So, but in the magazine, there was a little emphasis on quirky light and, and a lot shorter pieces. With me, I actually like quirky and light too, but less of a percentage than Mike did. So it might be one story an issue, not half the stories, if that makes sense. Yeah. But then the other mode that we both did as writers and that, you know, we would like to help as editors is uh, not necessarily the bittersweet, but the heart tug in it can have a completely optimistic future but where the characters have kind of been through been through it a bit and have had to climb their way out of a hole or make their mark on the world or have a complete epiphany in their character and, and learn to do better you know things like that and that ties in a lot with uh identity being big in fiction at the moment Right. You know, knowing what your self-worth is, fighting for it. And so I think the the fiction was there before, but I've I've always had a little bit of a more focus on that type of fiction. So I've I've increased the, the limit of the fiction that I accept a bit more. I prefer still not to go over uh, the short fiction level, which is 7,500 words, because obviously we want to have multiple people in the magazine right you know tissue but i will accept the odd piece that is a few thousand more if it's exceptionally good right so it's uh i'm happy to showcase a longer piece either by and this also we're doing with the reprints too i'm picking some pieces that are wow award-winning novelettes you know by Nancy Cress and so forth, that, you know, just have a, a, a bit of meat and then you have the, the quirky fun flash and it's just to have that little bit of variety. But overall, that is what I'm looking for. Okay, that makes sense. So in terms of your submission process for Galaxy's Edge. I have a complete submission process that will be updated on the website. Within about uh, probably think look for January two thousand and twenty one. Okay, we're still fine tuning the new process. Mike Resnick, for all intents and purposes, basically did everything himself for the most part, but through kind of an older system. So what we've been doing this year is creating a trackable new system. That means that we can increase uh, submissions coming in, but also handle the increase, you know, have the staff to handle the increase. So that's our goal for, to get that ready by the end of the year. And then the start of 2021, we'll have the new system in place. Uh, as you know, John, I've also had a couple of little hiccups with my health during the year. So uh, we're just making sure that, you know, that everything's in place before we start expanding, including with my house. <laughs> well, abso absolutely. That's, that's, that's critical. Now, how, what all, I know that Martin Shoemaker, who's also one of the winners for Writers of the Future a few years yes. ago, is also an associate or assistant editor? Yes. 
So how does that, yeah, how do you, what's your working that. relationship on that? It's wonderful. Uh, we haven't uh, worked together before, but obviously we always socialized and talked at, you know, convention tables and such and went to group dinners with Mike and who's another writer child. So he's a writer sibling of mine. And when I, when I took over the magazine, I wanted it to sort of be clear that in a way, one, we were following Mike's vision still, which is, you know, to help showcase new authors. But two, we are kind of his legacy in a way, his writer children. Mm-hmm. And I, I also wanted to have um, someone that would balance me out, but someone I, I knew from reading his fiction and the discussions we've had on the field would complement me quite well in what I do. And so primarily I focus on the new fiction on the magazine and he um, helps bring, obviously, ideas. We, we do the administrative side together. And, but he also will go through and select reprints. And, you know, he has a great breadth of the field. And when um, we started, you know, this process again, he was equal in um, where we're getting submissions, you know, inviting people to submit, you know, because at the moment it's technically close to submissions. Right. But we've been inviting people until we get our new system fully fledged. And so, yeah, I, I, I so value him as a second. He's done an amazing job. And um, we're also adding another person to the team very soon. And um, she will help with, you know, the flow of all the submissions coming in when we open up. Are you able to announce her name yet, or is that going to be at a later date? I, I can't. Well, I will say her first name. It's, she's not been added officially, so we'll do it generally, January. Okay, good. All right. And add her to the official. Because at the moment, we'll, we'll be sort of... Uh, she knows what I'm looking for in fiction and things like that, but I'll be showing her the ropes until the start of next year. Okay, fair enough then. So I don't want to just dump her in it, basically, because as soon as the name is out there, then that person also starts getting queries about the magazine. Uh huh. And she's still learning. Okay. All right. Well, everybody's going to know soon enough. Um, so on the subject of. I guess as an aspiring writer, now you're not necessarily the aspiring, and that's what you know, my line of country is, but we work together because once they've won, Mike said frequently that a good half of the people they ended up publishing after the fact could realize these were winners of Writers of the Future. Um, yes. But with respect to an aspiring writer, what tips do you have for them? Because some people get discouraged. They feel like I sent a book out, I sent a story out, and, and nobody bought it, whatever. You know, so as an editor... Um, one of the things that people don't realize is that it could be a perfectly good story, but you just had a story like that in a recent issue, so you're not looking for that. It doesn't mean the story's bad. Just a little bit more just to let people know that don't take a reject as meaning that's a bad story. It just means also yeah. other things. Exactly. So a big part of uh, especially running a magazine that does have frequent issues but also – a limited word amount. If you look at it, each issue of a magazine is essentially an anthology. 
every, whether it's every month or every two months, you're putting together an anthology of stories. And you only have X amount of words and you, it's magazines might have sort of a leaning towards the type of stories they like to buy, but it's not usually the one theme or the one specific genre. So like, for example, with Galaxy's Edge, I don't want all fantasy stories for one issue. I need some science fiction. I, I need a flash or two to put in between the more serious stories, you know, just to break it up a bit. And so exactly what you were saying just before, I might get 15 flash stories, but I only publish one, maybe two, an issue. And if I buy, say, if all of them are brilliant, and as you know, that's not always the case, you know, there's sure. always a reason why you get several stories. The 15th one won't be published for like two years because we only have six issues out a year. Right. So it just means that at a time when I'm looking, there are certain lengths that I'm not looking for at all because I've already got enough. Then you add the overall layer of the genres, the type of stories. You know, I might know that I've got 10 sort of humorous pieces, but I need the more serious award contention wow, look at me, sort of impact stories uh, to add to the magazine too. Right. And so there is any given month I'm mentally going over my inventory and also working out what I need. And that does impact the choices I make when I buy. So you are 100% correct in saying that a rejection does not 100% necessarily mean that your story is not at all good. Now, it can mean that if your story is exceptional, all editors will say this, they'll be like, we can't help but buy this. You know, we will make it work even if we had, you know, because it's just so exceptional, it stands out from the rest. Right. However, for the most part, you know, you have specific needs and then you look for the emotive innocuous-of-the-feet stories and every now and then, as I said, you get the exception to the rule. So for the most part, a rejection is just another stepping stone towards having your first sale. It just means that you probably should... I always say people resubmit to another magazine because... While I might have too many fantasy stories, you know, uh, or too many humour pieces, Alex Schwartzman might love that humour piece for his next UFO anthology right. and so forth. You know, it's not – a rejection doesn't mean you've got to scrap and throw the story away. Exactly. Not at all. Yeah, that's like the Heinlein rule, you know, just – Yes. Send it and just keep on putting it out there. And if yeah, the editor yeah. says, I want it with, with these editors. I have a spreadsheet so you know where you've sent it because by the time you get multiple stories out there, you, you've sent to multiple magazines multiple times. You just need to keep track of where the story's gone. But if you do get feedback, I will say this. If you do get feedback and it says, for example, we loved your premise but your characterization was weak. Well, again, part of feedback is personalised to the magazine or the anthology if you're looking for a bit of a theme or a specific story. 
But the other part, it probably is criticism, constructive criticism that might be needed. Now, I'm not saying you have to rewrite your story every time you get a rejection, because that's also, you'll lose your voice. Right. But one thing that is known is if the, if you get a couple of rejections that will say a similar thing, and that gives you an indication of probably what you need to work on for that story. Right. And then, you know, you might find your your story gets a better response when you submit it after rewriting it a little. You know, it's it's tricky being, especially a new author, because you're, you're half still trying to learn the field, but the other half, you are trying to make yourself better to make that sale. And... And so you have to evaluate the feedback you get given to keep going with your voice and shaping your fiction. I get it. Does does being a member of a writing group make a difference? You, does that help? I think it depends on the person. Um, I, I find that writing can be quite an isolating, stuck-in-your-head type of job. So at the very least, it helps to have friends that understand what you're going through, whether you have just your own core group on, you know, social media on Facebook where you slip into each other's, like, messages and say, I'm having, oh, my gosh, this story I think is crap, you know, and, and one of your friends will say, send it to me, I'll see what I think. Again, positive feedback or even just knowing someone is there for you can help with your self-confidence amazingly. Now, when it comes to group, it's groups, people have a bit of different mileages. Like I know there's groups even just formed from writer of the future years, mm-hmm. you know, where they're like, we've been through this together. So that year of students always sort of stay in touch. And in a way it's an informal group after the fact. Right. Likewise, Galaxy's Edge has like, we sort of have a family or Mike's writer children have our own sort of family group. It's not a formal writing group, but it, it's it's someone acts as some, you know, especially when core members of us, you know, still encourage each other moving forward. Right. I think it really is up to the individual author if they'll get a benefit from a specific writer group in their town or joining organisations like CIFLA and things like that. It, I suppose it depends on how the support network you form helps uh, support you in sending out your stories and actually getting the courage to put your fiction out there. Because a big part of writing is, as I said, all in your head, it's isolating that. But then you have to actually like show everyone what, what the interior of your mind creates. You have to be able to put it out there and be very vulnerable in a way while getting a response. And sometimes having writer groups help you overcome the big feeling of exposure if you've been sending the story to friends and peers and having beta readers and things like that. Right. Already. That makes sense. So now, okay, now I'm going to go a bit of a different direction here now. So with respect to Galaxy's Edge, I know that, that, um, Genre magazines have, have had a bit of a rough time in the last multiple years, and it was so exciting when Mike picked up and uh, took over as editor of Galaxy's Edge, and then um, he announced you and brought you in there, and we've gotten to know each other. 
What do you see as the future for Galaxy's Edge or even genre magazines in, in general? Is it now, are things now on the uptick for it? And so there's a new future? Because I know short fiction is, I think, maybe on a bit of a, of a renaissance because of time factors. People want to be able to get a story but don't have a lot of time. And so yeah. short fiction, do you, what do you see as the future of, of Galaxy's Edge or short fiction magazines in general? So right around the time that Mike Resnick and Shahed Mahmoud, which is the publisher of our publishing company and the magazine, right when they created the magazine, uh, there wasn't as many uh, professional playing magazines in the field. Now there's a lot more. In the few years following the creation of the magazine, you know, it doubled at the very least, but probably tripled. Right. So it did increase on the magazine front, but at the same time, anthologies decreased, which was the other venue for short fiction. Yeah, so the difference with anthologies compared to magazines is there are specific authors that are invited. So even if an anthology is open uh, to submissions, it's a very small amount of slots, and they might do one anthology a year from that publishing company because the anthologies are just not as big a thing now. They, they used to be a lot more, and it's one thing that's decreased. Now, magazines have increased a little again, professional magazines in particular, especially since the time Galaxy's Edge was created. So there are some more avenues out there. But as you know, in this industry, times are still quite tight for a lot of especially small press publications, things like that. And so in regards to magazines and and things like that, that's, I think, a reason why we can be quite particular with what we publish because we really are trying to make an impression and an impact as well as showcasing newer authors. So I think that the field is healthy at the moment for short fiction. And uh, a lot of people will say short fiction, selling short fiction gets your name out there, you know, for newer writers. Mm -hmm. It gets some recognition. And even for established writers, they will often say, we always do a couple of pieces of shorter pieces while we're doing our novels. So our name is continuously getting renewed in the field. You know, it's not like we disappear until the next novel comes out. Right. So I think for exposure for new authors as well, uh, magazines are very good. And I think the future of magazines, now that we've gone digital online, is much better. I think when the magazines were mostly in print, that's when they were dying out. Whereas having the ebook form and the online form of the magazines has pretty much made the, the future of magazines a lot safer. Right. And then with, with the magazines, because the fact you're not a print magazine, are you able to foresee, you know, expanding the the number of stories in there? I realize you still have a budget, but have we you... We are a print magazine too. Oh, you are still. I know some magazines yeah. have switched over because so of 2020. We do online version, ebook version, and print version. Oh, okay. And, and so we have expanded a little since we originally started. A big, as you know, contender in the field, Clark's World, originally started with two new pieces of fiction each issue, and he's now expanded 
because obviously the magazine is doing so well. Right. Uh, and, and so there is readership, I believe, for shorter fiction because it gives us little bite-sized escapes from the world. Exactly. And it also gives you access to sort of a community of writers. It, a lot of readers will point out, oh, we love the feel of this magazine or we love, you know, what you're doing and, you know, sometimes I want to read a fantasy story but sometimes I just feel like a science fiction story. So, I, you know, I see the names and I'm like, oh, I'm looking forward to a new writer. Don't want to read a whole novel worth but here's this story. So I think that the market is definitely still there. And as we move forward, you are right in that having, if it was just online, we can tweak the format somewhat until we find the better balance, you know, of things. But we've kind of done that as we've gone along with the first few years of Galaxy's Edge. So we've we've got our format sort of down. It's just, um, I suppose, the type of content we're looking for that's, that always we try to move with the times and we try to also be relevant but also offer readers something they're not expecting. Right. It's an interesting balance to try and do that. No, that makes sense, but I'm, I'm just, it's one of those things that's fascinating because just the future of science fiction and fantasy is the direction of is actually held, you know, there's a few key magazines, you know, which I think Galaxy's Edge is becoming one of them as directing where's, where's science fiction and fantasy going. So... I'm I'm yeah. very interested in what you have to say about this. So, especially on the, I find it fascinating on the bigger the bigger books format and things. You know, we have science fiction pieces like Arrival, where it's sort of treated in a way, kind of like a mainstream movie when it was turned into a movie. But you know, it was um, you know a mid-sized science fiction piece you know, when it came out and it was very popular. And so I also think the way science fiction is being presented uh, in mainstream media is also a little interesting uh, when it jumps to other mediums. And it will be interesting to see if that impacts the future of science fiction and fantasy because originally, as you know, this field was kind of a bit frowned upon, like we're not the serious field, you know. And you only have to thank... George R.R. Martin for the the fantasy shows that are coming out in the past year to try and find the next replacement for Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. You cannot say that it was only fantasy viewers watching Game of Thrones. It was a lot of mainstream viewers that fell in love with the fantasy world that he created, even if they weren't science fiction or fantasy readers to start off with. And that's bringing more people back to our field in reading the books and stories. That's you know that's very very true. So with um, with respect to then an aspiring writer, what do you have you know because of this taking advantage of this? I guess I don't know if it's just a windfall because it's it's happened before, but like right now it's very much there in the world of, of fantasy, like you said, like what's going to be the next Game of Thrones, but just people that were not considering themselves to be. Um, uh, genre fiction readers, they thought they were mainstream, but in actual fact, is, this is genre fiction that they're, you know, they're talking about with Game of Thrones. What do you have in terms of any other uh, tips for aspiring writers on how to make it into science fiction and fantasy right now? Because you also, you know, copycatting isn't a, a way to also 
go either. Just, okay, I want to be able to do this, this, and this, and so I'm going to, I'm going to be that person. Yeah, it, it certainly helps to be, um, uh, be able to straddle both uh, mainstream audiences and fantasy or science fiction. I think that the biggest thing uh, focus on, and you definitely know own voices is a big thing, and of course, even in the past, you only have to look at the left hand of darkness by the Gwyn and stuff. There was statements made, you know, about identity and what it is to be different and finding your truth and things like that. It has always existed in our field, you know. We've always had fiction that's been algorithms of like what's happening in the world. Sure. You know, social justice and so forth but it's making a resurgence now and i think the difference is is there does seem to be a focus on writing your truth now i don't mean that if you're a police officer you have to write only police officer stories but characterization is i think a big key to fiction that's doing really well at the moment so you can be in a big sweeping world of fantasy or sort of a bit more magical realism where the magic is is sort of touched throughout the world but made to seem normal. Uh, but if you if you don't have the, the strong heroine or hero that's going through a journey that's impacting their identity, I think that is the key. For the moment and especially with new writers it'll actually help you sort of hone what your truth is as well yeah so I think-, I think that's the biggest indication of what's popular at the moment and the great thing about it is is you can still have a fantasy or a science fiction setting you know you can still create a beautiful world around those characters it's just i think you have to uh, focus on a story that will give you a good uh, individual journey as well as the plot and the setting. Good. That makes very good sense. And I think it's, it's good advice also for aspiring writers. We don't need the next J.K. Rowling. We don't need the next George R. R. Martin. We just need the next whoever you are to be yourself and just be yes. really, really, 100%. really, really good. And one of the big things about the um, own voices movement is is to actually identify that obviously the next big thing in general, publishers always like to be on the next big thing that's ahead, you know, on a commercial side, that's great, and a marketing side. But it's also about finding the unique voices that really make readers stop and just go, wow. You know, if I was walking a mile in these characters' shoes, you know, mm-hmm. and that I think is the fiction you should aim for at the moment. And it potentially could start your career off very well. Either way, it'll help you learn about yourself as you write. Which is great advice. Yeah. So for somebody to find Leslie Robin, what's the best way that you recommend them to, uh, to look you up and find you? <laughs> That's a very good question. So I do have a website. Um, I'm in the process of sort of tweaking and updating it at the moment. 
I've actually just launched my Patreon page. So I'll have on there tidbits of writing advice and editing advice and things like that. So while it's not, it's only just started, that will be kind of like me creating my own little writing group. So um, some of the the tiers are sort of uh, limited and things like that, but I sort of feel like I love reaching out to authors and that. People can always contact me through my work email. In fact, I will be honest, I reply to my work email more than my personal email. um, I'm always here to help with advice and things like that. But when it comes to my fiction, uh, if you go to my website, I have obviously, you know, pages where it shows what's coming out, you know, the images of the covers and things like that. And as I said, it's the process of being upgraded as we speak. But you can always find something that I've written on Amazon or even eBay. Let's perpetuate that cycle. (laughs) You can find me on eBay. You know, I would joke on panels that I brought Mike Resnick off eBay and that's how our our career started. But, um, But when it comes to editing and things like that you'll always find me at my my work uh, and you can find my work address on the galaxy's edge workplace web page and stuff and as i said we'll be updating the guidelines at the start of the year mm-hmm. and um but i am on social media under i've made it really easy it's just under leslie robin so you can find me on facebook that's l-e-z-l-i-r-o-b-y-n Yes, L-E-Z-L-I-R-O-B-Y-N. So, um, yeah, and I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I've got to actually be on Twitter to be on Twitter. I, I have a Twitter <laughs> account. I, I, I actually am taking my uh, own observations and, less, like, I was focusing so much on work this past year and getting back into the swing of my life after, as I've said, I've had eye surgery and I've had some little hiccups, um, that I've been 100% tunnel focused on getting work all mainstream and things like that, that I've got to also remind myself, oh, yes, I I also need to somewhat promote myself. <laughs> Definitely. Definitely. You're but definitely I, worth I, knowing. I'm always here for, uh, as a helpful ear. I might not be able to respond straight away because uh, one thing you would know this is as soon as I became editor of the magazine, like instantly had more friend requests on Facebook and it's more exposure and more people, newer authors reaching out. And I, I do actually have a history of helping new authors too. Ironically, I, I think I'd like to think that's I'm that way inclined, but it's also because of Mike, obviously. Mm-hmm. I learnt from him. So naturally that's going to be my bent. Yeah. So it's, um, a, it's a good bent. It's a good bent to have, exactly. You know, if you're <laughs> going to have a voice, have that one. Yes. But uh, one thing I do know for the future is we would like to – continue showcasing new talent. I'm I'm definitely wanting to 
obviously help encourage new writers. And one thing that, that people that have worked with us has known, you know, at Galaxy's Edge and then in general to do with Phoenix Peak, which is our science fiction imprint line, KZEC, which is our new imprint that goes into bookstores all around Australia, uh, Australia, all around the United States. I'm Australian. It, it filters in every now and then. I, could, um, I couldn't tell from your accent. <laughs> no, no, nothing gives it away. No. Apparently, being in this country, you know, for a le- you know, as long as I've been, like ten years plus, does not mean you lose your accent. Definitely not. So yeah, so it, uh, but one thing people will tell us is we're like a community. I'm now editing. Uh, I was editing another magazine before Galaxy's Edge that I had two years of editing that under my belt before I picked up Galaxy's Edge. So I had already gained the experience of working with authors on that level. But one of the things that I've loved about doing work in both the genres is it's a field, short form is a a natural field for discovery. And I think that's a wonderful thing. Because authors will write novels, and you know this, it can take years to get a novel published, even if it's sold straight away. Right, right. But short fiction, like what you do with Writers of the Future and what we do with the magazine, we can actually help start a career but also encourage and help, in a way, promote new authors by publishing their work, and I find that a wonderful thing. We have clearly established like a community with our publishing imprint and and such that I'm quite proud of. As well you should be. And that's why I really wanted to do this interview with you because I think it's important what you're doing and what you're continuing to do. And obviously in in recognition of Mike, I I only wish that I had this going um, and thought to to invite Mike to to be one of the uh, panelists on on this uh, podcast. He would have loved it. He would have had so many stories. You would have had to have done like five times. Oh, don't you know it. Don't you know it. So many (laughs) great conversations with him. But anyway, um, as we wrap up, any last message you wanted to give or last point that we didn't cover? Because I really wanted to give an opportunity. Never give up, basically. You know, you're not a writer because you become published. You're a writer because you can't stop writing. And that, that doesn't mean writing every day. It doesn't mean you have to write every day. Everyone has lives. Everyone has different setups to how they write. But uh, always have personal goals. But never judge yourself if those goals don't match the current publishers at the time. Just keep trying. Good. I would just say just don't give up. You know, it's a big field. You've just got to find the right little moment to to have your fiction shine. Good. That's great advice. Well, thank you very much, Leslie. You're welcome. And thank you for listening. Subscribe to the Writers of the Future podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Writers and Illustrators of the Future are contests created by L. Ron Hubbard to provide a means for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged. It is free to enter and open to new and amateur short story writers and artists of science fiction or fantasy. 